where we watch B-movies. You know those $5 bin straight-to-DVD, who are these actors and why did they make this kind of B-movies? Every week we watch a bad movie. We summarize it, review it, grade it, and then answer the absolutely needless question that nobody asked, is this better or worse than the B-movie with Jerry Seinfeld? This week I have a super awesome co-host. I'm very excited to have him on the show. Uh, joining me this week is Samuel. Samuel, welcome to the B-Movie Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jeremiah. I'm super excited. You're so welcome. I am super excited to discuss this atrocity of a film that you made me sit through. <laughs> I did. Um, but before we do that, I've just got a couple of things I want to announce. So first and foremost, uh, however you're listening to us, if you uh, want to listen on a certain platform, you're not sure where we are, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Stitcher. If there is a site that you would love to see us on and we're not currently on that platform, just give us an email. You can write into us at thebmoviepodcast at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you and, and be wherever it is you want us to be. But if we're going to be there, please, please, please do us a favor. Subscribe for future content, and if you're feeling up to it, leave a review. I love to hear what people have to say about the show. I like to hear your ideas and, and your critiques and your praise. Uh, so please do us all a favor. Write in, uh, write a review, and you know share it around so that people can find us. Speaking of which, we are currently in a very targeted move trying to boost our social media. So uh, the B-Movie Podcast is on Facebook. We just have a page, the B-Movie Podcast. That's the letter B. We're also on Instagram, at the B-Movie Podcast, and on Twitter, at the B-Movie Pod. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but we've been posting some pretty lit memes every single day. And I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I am making those by myself. I'm only trying to borrow when feel is necessary, but trying to make new memes out of only stills from the B-movie is pretty challenging. But I once heard a good guy say, restriction breeds creativity. So hopefully I just come up with some great stuff, but we've been posting some pretty lit memes on our Instagram. They've been doing super well. We've also been posting them on Facebook and Twitter. Haven't seen much traffic. So I tell you what, Go ahead, like us on social media, but go ahead and tell your friends too because when each social media page reaches 222 likes or follows, we are going to do a drawing. So when Facebook reaches 222, we'll do a drawing. When Instagram reaches 222, we'll do a drawing. When Twitter reaches 222, we'll do a drawing. And I know what you're thinking, Samuel. Why 222? Why 222? Well, that's because B is the second letter of the alphabet. Ah. And so if we have 222, that's B's all the way, baby. There so you go. we're going to do a drawing, and it is going to be for an autographed copy of the B movie from yours truly at the B movie podcast. So we're going to send you a copy uh, with our John Hancock's on it that you can cherish forever while you listen to the B movie podcast. So please go ahead, like, comment, subscribe for future content, share it out with some friends, leave a review. We'd be very appreciated. Speaking of which, I've got a couple of shout outs for those who have done just that. So my first shout out goes to none other than my good friend Jordan, Jordan Z. He has not only reached out and told me that he is loving the podcast, he was so excited to find out that I had a podcast. Uh, he says it's a great way to kind of hear my voice and keep up with what I've been doing. And he just loves the content. 
and the idea. So Jordan, you're, you're an all-star, you're a rock star, and a spoiler, I think we're going to have Jordan come and do an episode with us, uh, but that's, that's kind of still in the works, so we'll work that one out. But Jordan, thank you so much. I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate your reviews as well. I believe he left us a review on Apple Podcast that says, Be Mine, five stars. Witty, hilarious, satirical, and that's just the beginning. Jeremiah and friends have really outdone themselves. With fun, fresh takes on some classics and some you've never heard of, their jokes are sweeter than honey and commentary is sharp as a stinger. Five stars. So Jordan, thank you so much for leaving that review and reaching out to us. We appreciate it. Our second shout out goes to none other than Kyle S. Uh, he wrote into the show. Kyle's written in before. But he wrote in to tell us that he actually saw Kung Pao in theaters when he was 10 years old. And so that was kind of interesting. He said that pretty much the whole theater liked it and that it was stupid but funny and entertaining. And he specifically remembers when they did the Taco Bell product placement with the old man walking across going, Taco, Taco, Taco Bell, product placement, Taco Bell. He said the whole theater had pretty much erupted in laughter just because of how self-aware it was. So Kyle, thanks so much for writing into the show. We appreciate that. We also have a couple of Facebook reviews. These three individuals have gone ahead and reviewed the show on Facebook. They've also recommended it. And so apparently on Facebook, you can go to a page or a business or whatever, and you can recommend it to others. Jordan wrote a recommendation just like the one he did on Apple Podcasts. Another individual named Kevin, Kevin B, says, My old buddy Jeremiah hosts a really fun and entertaining podcast where he and guests break down films of the B-movie genre. Definitely worth your time. Kevin, thank you so much for writing that. And finally, a guy named Andrew M says, I'm ordinarily not a podcast guy, but this one is that one I check for updates on at least twice a week. The host and guests have fluid conversations and keep things entertaining throughout every minute. They reviewed infamous titles and famous titles such as Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, Flash Gordon, and The Last Airbender. Looking forward to what they put out over the next year. Keep up the good work. Andrew, thank you so much for writing in. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoy this episode as well. And finally, before we move on, I want to talk about two things. Uh, one being something that we look forward to here every year at the B-Movie Podcast, and that is the Golden Raspberry Awards. Samuel, have you heard of the Golden Raspberry Awards? Are you familiar with this? I am familiar. Okay, so then you're familiar with the fact that all of these terrible movies that are nominated throughout the years, there happens an awards ceremony the night before the Oscars where they uh, celebrate the worst of the worst. Hmm. Well, did you know they're celebrating their 40th year this year? I did not know that. Uh, and in celebration of the 40th year of the Golden Raspberries, where they lampoon all the bad films of that year, in honor of it being their 40th anniversary, they're actually having a live show on March 14th, where they are going to have an actual award ceremony for the coveted $4 uh, Golden Raspberry statue that says you've got a terrible movie. So, Golden Raspberry nominations for Worst Picture this year are Cats, The Fanatic, The Haunting of Sharon Tate, a Medea Family Funeral, and Rambo Last Blood. Now, Samuel, were I a betting man, which I absolutely am a betting man, my money's on cats. Mine would also it's be on, on cats. I, I just can't <laughs> imagine anything else that's worse. Now, I've not heard The Haunting of Sharon Tate, but that title doesn't grip me for some reason. And a Medea Family Funeral, like, I feel like Medea is like what Ernest was. Remember Ernest? I do not. There was a whole, but you would, you would. Uh, it was done by the fella who had uh, this real, this real deep voice. Um, oh gosh, now I don't know why this is. Oh, it's gonna escape me. But Ernest was a character, Jim Varney. Jim Varney. He had this, uh, <laughs> this kind of Ernest, kind of little uh, salt of the earth kind of fella. 
But Ernest would get himself into the darndest situations, and he had tons of movies like Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Halloween, Ernest Goes to School, and I feel like Medea films are really just the Ernest films of today. And so, like, to see a Medea film on the Golden Raspberry list doesn't really surprise me. Like, I'm sure Ernest Goes to College was on the blue, uh, the Golden Raspberry list as well. I absolutely love Medea films. They're, Do you really? Yeah, they've got... I've not seen any of them. I've they, seen, like, one clip of when she got out of jail. They are, they're worth seeing. They're That's hilarious. It. They always okay. have... They're critiquing culture. A lot of times black culture. Yeah, I have heard that Tyler Perry does a yeah. good job of making a lighthearted comedy but also sneaking in some good nuggets and some good um, yes, some good thought-provoking conversation that, yeah. that comes from that. So I think you'd enjoy it. Uh, you know what? I, I should watch a Medea film. Uh, what's, uh, do you have a recommendation of what your favorite Medea film is? I want to say that the first one I watched, maybe because it was my first experience with Medea, mm-hmm. uh, was my favorite. And it was, I think, a Medea Family Christmas. Okay. Super good. All right. Well, Medea also reminds me of, uh, did you ever watch the, Mar- was it Martin Lawrence, I think it was? Martin Lawrence film, Big Mama's House? I did not. You remember that? It's, I, it's I've vaguely, heard of it, but I've not seen it. It's reminiscent of that only because Martin Lawrence dresses up as Big Mama. Hmm. And so, like, of course, Tyler Perry is Medea. Oh, you know what? Spoiler alert. You know, <laughs> Tyler Perry is Medea. You know what? I think I have seen. I've yeah. at least seen parts of it. Now well, because there was Big Mama's about... House and Big Mama's House 2, which we might yeah. do Big Mama's House 2, or maybe even Big Mama's House on the B-Movie <laughs> Podcast. I'll look it up and see where it's at, but they were not good. Anyways, the Golden Raspberries live event, March 14th. We're going to try to have some sort of coverage of it. I will be coming back from out of state that day. It's like a 14-hour drive. I don't think I'm going to make it home in time and in high enough energy and spirits to say, okay, let's do a live stream or something. But we will do some sort of coverage of the Golden Raspberry. So stay tuned. Follow us on our social media. You'll find out. The second thing is, Samuel, have you gone to see the Blue Blur in theaters? I have not. Yeah. Uh, Folks... Stop what you're doing. You know what? Just pause this podcast. Go to your nearest movie theater and pay whatever it is a ticket to go see Sonic the Hedgehog. It is absolutely wonderful. And we talked about Sonic when we talked about the Mario Brothers franchise uh, with Super Mario Brothers episode from 1993. They did a live action version of Mario Brothers. They made a story to go along with the game and they did it live action. And they, they tried to get some good names in there. They had Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo. They had um, Dennis Hopper as, as King Koopa. It just it didn't work. And we talked about how Sonic was looking to shape up that way because of the way he was animated. But then all of the fans online who love Sonic, because honestly, like Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, Amy, all of those characters are beloved, beloved characters from people who grew up playing Sega, who grew up watching the shows. So when the the bad Sonic came out, everyone pitched a fit. And of course, Sony said, you know what? We're sorry. Like, we're going to fix this. And they spent... Thousand, I mean, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, redesigning Sonic and reanimating him. Super classy. And all this it really was. Now, some people will go, they just did it for more money. Of course they did it for more money. No one makes a movie for any other reason than to make money, right? Like, that's what studios make films for, is to make money. Like, directors make films, you know, because they're passionate about it. Producers might make films because they like the concept. Studios are picking up films because they want to make money. And Sonic, you know, yeah, they want to make money off that. But they deserve every single penny that comes in from the box office for that redesign because it is spectacular. 
and it's probably one that I will defend for the rest of my life. Wow. Like it's, High I phrase. feel very passionate. I've right. heard it's good, right. and I'll, I'll go see it at some point. And I'm, someone, let me just, let me frame it this way. Someone said, Jeremiah, are you going to do an episode on Sonic for the B-Movie podcast? And I said, no, because Sonic is very clearly an A+. Oh my gosh! Gaggy. So so we can't we can't do it on the BW podcast because it's too good. So go see Sonic the Hedgehog. I have some fun statistics here. It actually has beaten out Detective Pikachu for the highest box office wow. opening for a film adaptation of a video game. So not the also total, a good movie, right? Not the total box office, but opening weekend for a video game film. Sonic the Hedgehog has the highest grossing opening weekend at fifty seven million with a projected 100 million coming in after they get the foreign markets totaled. Wow. Obviously, second is Detective Pikachu. Third is actually Laura Croft Tomb Raider. I didn't know that. The Angelina Jolie movie. Yeah. And then fourth, way too high, is the Angry Birds animated movie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, terrible. So <laughs> Gross. These are all the things we want to talk about before we got into it. But Samuel is here not just to gab about our shout-outs or the Golden Raspberries or, or even Sonic the Hedgehog. Samuel is here for one reason and one reason only. And what's that, Samuel? To watch some Godzilla together. To watch some Godzilla. Now, Godzilla, for those of you who don't know, is a big monster yeah i want to call him a dinosaur but i don't know if that's canon or not but he's a big monster prehistoric atomic creature oh okay of, of some sort uh who wreaks havoc sometimes on sometimes Japan? good guy sometimes bad guy yeah i yeah. really know apparently the, the original movie back in 54 he was the bad guy and he okay uh, it was it was just humans versus godzilla there were no other monsters all right and then they ended up spoiler alert killing him in the end oh wow with a uh, an oxygen bomb okay yeah an oxygen oxygen bomb, bomb. not a hydrogen Underwater. bomb oxygen they took all the oxygen away <laughs> and he just shriveled up and skeletons left yeah Okay, so God, Godzilla, you know, destroyer of Tokyo, we often think of him that way. But apparently, and I did not know this, there is a lot of Godzilla lore. Like, there's a lot of backstory yes. and lore and canon behind Godzilla. Like, I didn't know that he was as beloved as you know people had made him out to be. So, you not only said, I want to watch some Godzilla, what specific movie did you have us review this time? Godzilla versus Megalon. And why did you choose Godzilla versus Megalon? Well, I remember seeing clips of it when I was young, and there were several other movies I watched, Godzilla movies, that I, I really loved, but I remember them actually being fairly decent movies. This one, though, I remember it being somewhat rough and at times uh, fairly interesting mm -hmm. and uh, amusing. Convoluted? Yes, oh, yeah. convoluted. Okay. Yeah, amusing. Uh, okay. Lots of interest. So, so I, I wanted to rewatch and, and just revisit my childhood and see if it still held true. We'll see. Right. So... I'm actually glad that you talked about this because I was thinking about doing Power Rangers, whatever the Ivan Ooze movie is. It's Power Rangers 2000 or Power Rangers the movie, whatever it is. And it's awful too. But what I love about Godzilla and Power Rangers are the way they shoot things, okay? And all of the explosions. Yes. Like, apparently these Excessive. people yeah, are giving Michael Bay a run for his money. Or some could say that Michael Bay was inspired by movies and film franchises maybe like Godzilla, maybe like some Japanese-style uh, monster movies, or kaiju movies, which we're going to get to that in yeah. a little bit. So, Have you ever seen Godzilla movie before this? I The only one that I had seen parts of, which I think I might have seen parts of this in a bar one time for an anniversary dinner. My wife wanted to go get what? some wait, sushi. Wait, 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 wait. 
Parts of a Godzilla movie. Parts of a Godzilla movie in a bar. In a bar. For my for anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, wow. Let's break this down. That so, is... We went to this place. It was pretty cool. Um, it's, a, it's a restaurant here in town. You go upstairs. So there's a restaurant downstairs, but then there's a, a restaurant bar upstairs. And so we went to the restaurant bar side of things. And it was it's pretty nice. Like, they serve uh, sushi, for one. Like, they mm. serve sushi, and they serve brick oven pizzas, which is kind of a weird combination to serve all in one, but they do it. My wife loves sushi, and she wanted to get sushi, and I you know, wanted a burger or pizza or something like that. So we went, and I remember in the corner just watching what had to be a Godzilla movie with this colorful robot-looking guy. And I think it might have been this one, Godzilla It might have been. I think Megalon. this is the only, yeah. Right, okay. I mean, you so got Mecha Godzilla, which is maybe pretty it, much what it sounds it like. It could have been. Me- but mechanized I, version of I Godzilla, think but it, it's silver, not Right, colorful. but I, I remember it being a colorful robot, and I think it might have been this one, or it might have been some sort of Power Rangers knockoff, but it... I don't know. So I've seen parts of this one, and then I think you said Godzilla 2000, which yeah. was a live-action kind of We don't of speak of that movie. Remake. Well, so it's funny <laughs> because my uncle had it, and the only scene I remember is that Godzilla makes it to land, and he's going to take a step, and a guy thinks he's going to be crushed underneath his foot and ends up alive between Godzilla's toes, and then the foot you know, moves on because Godzilla walks, and then you see that the guy has peed himself. And like that's the only scene I remember. Yeah. So no, I am not very familiar with Godzilla movies. So this one was kind of an interesting trip. You did say that Mothra was maybe uh, Mothra. So I know Mothra. I know kind of the lore that Mothra fights Godzilla. That he's another monster. Is she he or she? She. She yeah. is another monster. Um, but I know Mothra from the What's Up with That sketch from Saturday Night Live. Oh. You know, where they go, ooh, we saying what's up with that? What's up with that? What is up with that? But I know that because at one point they interrupt everything to do a song and Mothra comes out. And they're like, go Mothra. You a moth destroying buildings, fighting Godzilla. Go Mothra. And I'm like, oh, okay, Mothra. Mothra is one of Godzilla's closest friends. Goes back the furthest. In fact, I remember watching... I think the original, the first appearance of Mothra with Godzilla. Not that, I think at that time, I forget what the movie's called. It might just be Godzilla versus, versus Mothra. Mothra. But it's uh, Godzilla's a bad guy in that one. Oh. And Mothra kind of embodies the spirit of the people and the spirit of nature. Oh, okay. And so she comes in. And, and then uh, I think she dies. This is so But crazy then to she's me. got like two like larvae who end up oh. beating Godzilla. Uh, okay. So pretty crazy. Yeah. So you killed my father, prepared to die. Yeah, kind pretty of much. A, well, Mark killed my mother. Well, killed my mother, so go. yeah. Anyway, so Godzilla vs. Megalon. I don't want to unpack too much of Godzilla lore and talk about all the ins and outs of Godzilla stuff before we get into the summary. So let's go ahead and summarize Godzilla vs. Megalon. So I've, I've got the, the readout here. Do you just want to try to summarize it, just you and I? Do you want us to read a little bit here and kind of throw it together? Because I, I can give you the short rundown of what I think this movie's <laughs> yes, about. Can. So I think this movie, it starts off, mankind, uh, is reach is exceed his grasp, I think Nikolai Tesla used to say, and let off a nuclear bomb that was felt by the Cetopians. Yes. Uh, who live under... It was felt by everyone. Well, yes, but uh, it destroyed a third of Cetopia. Yes. Somewhere in the Pacific. But Cetopia is... Somehow connected to Easter Island. Yes, but also underground. Uh, underground. And somehow simultaneously underwater. This is what I don't get. There was a quote that said that they came up with their own oxygen oxygen source oh, right. and created their own sun. sun. Yes, because we're going to come back to that. 
So Cetopians uh, get wiped out from this uh, a atomic, a third yeah. of them, from this atomic testing, which uh, wakes up folks on Monster Island and mm -hmm. also upsets the Cetopians. Wait, so what Monster Island is the island where Godzilla and all the other monsters hang live. out? Live, yes. Yeah, it's Apparently. their crib. It's their crib, yeah. It's welcome, welcome, I'm Godzilla and welcome <laughs> to my crib. Cetopians say, oh heck no, like... The surface people have gone too far. We must destroy their planet. So let's release Megalon. Yes. Which is the, their god? Question mark? Um, I don't know. Something like that. Uh, they worship Deity, him. Deity they worship. In some kind. Or of her. Way. I mean, we don't know. Them? It? It? Uh, well, it is a cockroach. Gi a giant stag beetle cockroach. cockroach yeah. Flying. Yes. Beetle. Thing. Mm -hmm. Insectoid. Anyways, so uh, Megalon comes up to the surface to destroy the Earth. Well, meanwhile, some Cetopians are at the house of the inventor to steal Jet Jaguar. Yes, the inventor, I think his name's Goro. I couldn't tell you. His son's name right is uh, Roxo, maybe? Oh, Goro and Rokuro. Uh, yeah, I think I think they call him Roxo for short. And then I, do, I never got the other guy's Roxo. name. I think it's... Uh, Hiroshi. Hiroshi. Okay. So they're at the house. They get jumped by some Cetopians. They need Jet Jaguar to be able to lead Megalon to Tokyo. So they steal him, send him out to get Megalon. Well, the inventor says, hey, hey, I can jam the signal and tell him to go get Godzilla to help us fight Megalon. And Jet Jaguar is the creation yes. of Goro, some kind of yes. robotic... Thing. This inventor. That looks like Green Goblin. That looks like the Green Goblin if the Green Goblin was silver. Yes. And then had flotation devices around his waist and arms. Yes. Exactly. Yes. yes. Perfect. So we've described Jet Jaguar, which I've got some questions about him because you told Jet me Jaguar. something. Jet Jaguar. It's Jaguar. Yeah. Jaguar. That's how they pronounce it. Yeah. They jammed Jet Jaguar's signal and they send him to go get Godzilla. So he goes and gets Godzilla but then comes back, Godzilla's got to swim. He's got to swim from Monster Island to the mainland. So Jet Jaguar flies back and is going to like take on Megalon. And you're like, oh, oh, how, how is he going to do that? He's tiny, like a man. Yeah, man-sized. So then what happens, Samuel? <laughs> what happens is he uh, reprograms himself oh? for the scenario uh -huh. and decides to enlarge himself to the size of Megalon in okay. order to fight him. Somehow. Somehow. Reprograms himself. To grow. Grow. And, I can't even I can't even begin I can't even begin to talk about how absurd this is. How, how the the law of conservation of mass, the 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 idea of robotics and sentience and artificial intelligence just when he it, first reprograms himself, that he can disobey orders. Right, yes. So he, he goes rogue. He breaks the first rule of ro uh, robotics, the first law of robotics. But Jet Jaguar is like, I'm, I'm going to fight Megalon myself. So, you know, some... Meanwhile, the Cetopians oh, yes. call in some backup from right. Gigan, who is uh, Gigan. another creature. I think you call him a chicken... With, a chicken lizard. Scythes for wings. Yes, with scythes for wings. Something like yep. that. It's like if you mixed a chicken, a lizard, and the Pokemon uh, Scyther. Yeah. Or uh, Pin... Not Pinsir. Um, Scizor. Scizor, yep. If you mixed all of them to kind of together, painted them black, you'd have... Gigan. And it could fly. And it could fly. Yep. And he's got one eye. A big, single big eye. Red eye. But a beak. But also some mandibles. The movie previous 
this movie. This is the thirteenth Godzilla movie, I believe. No way. Yes. And then I don't, what thirteenth. Yeah, um, okay. And the previous movie was Godzilla versus Gigan. So they're bringing in someone who. Okay. Godzilla just whooped up on the previous yeah. movie. So the Cetopians realize that uh, Megalon can't defeat Godzilla. So they call in Gigan, uh, and Gigan shows up, and they proceed to beat up Jet Jaguar. While Goro, Hiroshi, and Rock Roxo. Yes, Roxo's the young one. Yeah, young they're kid. all just standing on a hill watching this. Just cheering them on. Which is funny to me, because if I'm watching giant monsters duke it out, I'm probably going to want to run away. Because at any given moment, debris, a flying monster, anything could kill me. The electricity that right, Megalon all the, shoots all the from beams. His, he's also got these like little fire grenades. He right, that spells he, that out he, of his yes, mandibles. Throws up. Yeah, not sure what's going on there. Yeah. So Megalon and what? What's Jet Go- Jaguar or JJ? We could call him JJ. Well, JJ. So Megalon and and Jet Jaguar and, and Gigan. Gigan are all fighting. Yep. And they really start to beat up on Jet Jaguar until until Godzilla, the King of Monsters right. himself shows up. All seems lost. Yes, until Godzilla shows up, and Godzilla's like, "X gonna give it to you." Uh, That's right. And you know, first we're gonna rock, then we're gonna roll, and so he does. Um, and if you've never seen Godzilla, these fights are like right. WWE <laughs> with people in monster suits. Yes, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. But also, they have harnesses. Uh, and they are attached to wires that are attached to the ceiling. <laughs> Godzilla begins to beat up on them. Well, then, Gigan and um, Megalon surround him and Jet Jaguar with a ring of fire and try to burn them alive. But they forget Jet Jaguar can fly. So he just flies yes. Godzilla out of there. They beat up on uh, Gigan, and Gigan kind of turns tails and runs. And they beat up on Megalon. Runs away. Yep. Uh, at one point. Godzilla lifts and slams Megalon down on the ground by his tail no less than five times. Yep, five. A little excessive. And then, yes. Well, speaking of excessive, <clears throat> I thought his next move was excessive. Samuel, how would you describe the next move? While Jet Jaguar is holding Megalon, what kind of move does Godzilla choose to employ? He employs a hovering dropkick that visually looks like he's riding on his tail oh in midair interessante do tell me more yes so he 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 hovers in midair at high velocity yes with his legs forward in dropkick fashion towards megalon but what's funny is there's no running start to this no running start no he just kind of leans back with his tail stuck underneath him right and just goes at it Uh uh-huh rams into megalon right all of his weight Right, and you're thinking, whoa, what could be better than that? WWE, right? You know what could be better than one flying hovering drop kick? Do it again. Two flying hovering drop kicks. What is going on here? So he drop kicks. The most insane, excessive. No, he drop kicks Megalon again. Then they chuck him down the crack in the ocean. Then Cetopia closes up all the exits because they say. They realize they've lost. They've lost, I guess. But then does Megalon survive? Probably goes into hibernation. I don't know. But they crumbled a bunch of rock. Whatever. That roll credits, okay? Uh, the uh, ro- Rock well, Row. Jaguar well, yeah, shrinks back sorry, down to normal right. human size and then submits to his programming De-programs again. Deprograms himself. Deprograms himself. 
so that he will submit to his uh, the, the inventor's commands again. Which what I don't understand is why on earth would that inventor keep him around at that point? Because they walk off into the sunset and he lets his little his little brother is his little brother or his son? A little brother. Little brother. He puts his little brother on Jet Jaguar's shoulders and they walk off into the sunset together. I think they must just trust, I, trust no! his intentions. No. He's a good guy, I guess. No. No. I, any not any Ultron. robotics not like or future or future artificial intelligence science like will tell you. No. It should vision the purity have been, of art. Yeah, but I I I I don't think vision should have had sentience in the first place, but that's Besides the point, I know. Whoa, this, we're getting into the MCU. Okay. This is not the MCU. This is the GCU, the Godzilla the BCU. cinematic universe. It's the BCU, B movie cinematic universe. Well, no. We'll, we'll <laughs> so, roll credits. That's the movie. Godzilla wins. Megalon goes home. Gigan goes back to wherever he Runs came away. from. Jet Jaguar shrinks down. Roll credits. That's it. That's it. Godzilla vs. Megalon. Let's talk about the buzz, right? So the first thing I want to say about this movie and this genre of movie is that there's a term that I I was unaware of that I learned when you, you know, got me researching for this movie. So this is what's called a kaiju movie. And a kaiju movie, a kaiju is a Japanese word meaning strange creature. In English, it comes to mean monster or giant monster, referring to creatures of a large size seen in movies from Asia. So many kaiju movies are made in Japan, and it's a type of tokusatsu entertainment. Basically, if it's a large monster destroying a city, defending a city, doing anything with a city, wreaking havoc, uh, it is a kaiju movie. Yes. If, you, if you've if you seen the recent uh, movies, Pacific Rim, right. kaiju. Pacific Rim 2, right. uh, the, the two newest right. Godzilla movies, it's basically right. monsters versus humans and Whatever. or other monsters. Right. You know, this this kind of movie exists, and it's gotten better over time because we've gotten better with effects. Mm. We've gotten better with CGI. We've gotten better with pyrotechnics. And so, like, you can watch a movie like Transformers. Would, would Transformers be a kaiju movie? Uh, no. Kind of sort? No? Because they're, they're, they're robots. They're okay, not. Okay, because they came like from another creatures. Planet. Right, so that's yeah. more of a sci-fi thing. But if Godzilla was fighting so you could make a philosophical argument, right, maybe. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. At the end of the day, this is what you're in for. You're not going to the movie for the plot. You're going to watch a monster beat up on another monster, right? That's a kaiju movie. So I was unaware of this this kind of film genre, or really the following of it, because I thought, oh, Godzilla movies? Oh, who wants to watch a Godzilla movie? Apparently a lot of people, if they're going to make over 13, did you say? Well, this was the 13th. This is the 13th. I'm not sure how at many At least total. 20? Uh, in 2020, know. there's got to be at least 20. Nowadays, because they're coming out with what they came out with Godzilla King of Monsters, and they're doing a Godzilla versus what's his face King Kong. Yes, that'll come out next year. The uh, there's 35 released Godzilla movies. Oh wow! At this point, 32 of them are from Toho, who made them famous. Okay. The original Godzilla back in I think 54. Wow. And then this is one of the Toho movies, but there's huh. 35 total. Okay, so apparently a lot of people love kaiju movies, love Godzilla movies. So. This is something I didn't know about. Uh, I mean, it had to exist because Godzilla existed, but I didn't know the the right word for it. So thanks for teaching me that. But Samuel, what's your impression of this movie? I mean, you said, whoops, you said you wanted to relive your childhood. It definitely was of childlike wonder and fantasy. But how does, I mean, how do you feel about this? What's your gut reaction? What are some things you noted 
things you liked, things you didn't like. Like, how, how are you feeling about this film? I am a little let down. Okay. Didn't fully replicate my childhood experience. Right. I probably should have watched uh, one of the either the original Godzilla or one of the Mothra, which mm-hmm. is Godzilla movies. I think those might have. Uh, brought back more childhood memories. But so. they might have been too good for the podcast. That's true. There are some Godzilla movies that would maybe you can make an argument are not B movies or they transcend B movies. Right. There's definitely many that like this one that is very Clear deep day, into the, right? the B movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this arena. is bottom of the bin kind of thing. So one of the things I didn't didn't remember that there was like this this subtle jazz music throughout the entire oh, movie. Yeah. The the score was, did not seem to fit the tone. Well, not at all. Not at all. Are, you, and it are was you telling very, me you didn't like the jazz flute I, the, car chases? Jazz flute. Jazz flute. <laughs> uh, yeah, they had two at least no less than two car chases. Two, yep. The first one was frankly one of the lamest car chases I've right. ever seen. It was pretty bad. The second one was, was fairly better. crazy. Right. At one point, they were going down a a dirt uh, mountain. Right. In a canyon. Fairly of some fairly kind? steep. Right. somehow staying on. I don't know. And there was no path. No path. Like they forged their own path. And then it later on, weird. they were driving around this, this truck. Right. And at one point, uh, the, the someone had hijacked the truck, and then the guys re-hijacked the truck, uh-huh. kicked the guy out, threw it off, threw him off a cliff. And it was kind of a, a mini right. hot rod moment. Yes. Yeah, was it was very interesting. But the, the score, you're right, did not really match. And I guess, like... In modern day, when we think of like a Transformers movie, or we think of like a uh, a Marvel movie, we think of the dun 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 dun. Yes. You know, like the really big anthem and score swelling mm-hmm. behind you. Well, Not. I think, I think that was part of the reason why it didn't bring it to nostalgia, because right. many of the other Godzilla movies, and I didn't hadn't remembered this. The music was different for this. Mm-hmm. Many of the other ones have the classic Godzilla themes or mm-hmm. light motifs or those kind of things. And this one, because it was, I think it was, one of the things I read is it was actually made more for kids than the other ones. Mm-hmm. And it had the, the, the jazz. Yeah, it just was very off-putting. In fact, the, the movie was written to be, there's a there's Ultraman. I don't know if anyone's familiar with yeah. Ultraman, but it was, the, the Jet, Jaguar was kind of modeled after it, and they were thinking about doing a, a movie just with Jet, Jaguar, but they realized it wouldn't make a ton of money. So that's when right. they're like, oh, let's bring in Godzilla. Which is also why Godzilla really doesn't show up until about 45 minutes into the movie. Right. Uh, maybe later. Like maybe later. I mean, he's, he's brief in the beginning. He's yeah. you know he's upset about the nukes that went right. off. He's like, oh, my, uh, my island is disturbed. Again. But he doesn't come back until yeah. 45 minutes, an hour in. But I think that you know if you think of it's written for a kid... If I'm a kid in what what year did this come out? 1970, 73. 73 in Japan. The the American version was in 76. So if I'm a kid in Japan or in the 70s or a kid in America in the 70s, and I see this movie, I'm gonna want a Jet Jaguar toy. Oh yes. Like I'm gonna buy him. I'm gonna want Godzilla too, and I'm gonna want you know any of the enemies that I can get so I can recreate my mm-hmm. own scenarios. And my own fights. Yeah, I, I had the Godzilla toys I played. Yeah, with. so I think that part of it might have been marketing ploy, but you can definitely tell it was made with children in mind just because of the way kind things kind of unfold. One of the things that really stuck out to me is that during one of those car chases, they ended up, a motorcycle was following them, which I'm not even sure why. I don't know who the motorcycle was. But a motorcycle was following the car chase, got run off into a construction site, lands gently into a pile of dirt. Then sees a dangling cord atop of him, tries to pull himself up only to be covered in like cement or something. 
And yeah. the film the literally goes. Yep. That's the sound you get on the Price is Right. Yeah. When you get the price wrong. Very cring- cringeworthy. Moment. Right. This was game show music, and they put it in the movie. So I don't know. Like it, it did cater to kids, and I guess it's not as. Oh, and then the design. The design of Jet Jaguar was. Um, they did a kids' competition to design this this robot. Okay, this is what I wanted to ask you about. So, did they did they announce the competition with the film in mind? Yes, or it was part of a it film? was part of a publicity stunt because of the probably the popularity of Ultraman. Um, so they they had the kid design this it was kids, and then the winning design was this. They tweaked it slightly, but then they put it into the movie. <laughs> so the ki- okay. I'm trying because I really do want to get this right. Yeah. Because sometimes you do hear about promotional things, like for example, the Wizard. You ever heard of the Wizard? Uh, I, don't, I don't. It know. had Fred Savage in it, and it was a story about him and his little brother, who's kind of a mute, run away to Las Vegas to compete in the video game championships to get a bunch of money and basically save their family. And the whole thing is an ad for Super Mario Brothers Three, because at the time it didn't exist. But when you went to the movie theater to see this video game movie or this this movie about these kids playing video games, the curtain literally came up and showed you Super Mario Brothers 3 gameplay. Mm. And it was the first time that that had ever been announced or something like that. And Nintendo did that on purpose. So I'm wondering, like, did they say, okay, we're going to have a robot guy in this movie that, that multiplies himself, brings him up, you know, fights the monsters, helps out the people... What do we want him to look like? And then they said, oh, let's have kids design it. Or did they say, hey, we're going to do a robot movie. Let's get kids to design it. Oh, wait, it would make more sense if it was a Godzilla movie. Yeah, let's write a script around this. Like, what mm-hmm. did the cart come before the horse? Was the cart loaded before the horse was even notified? Like, who, who, what came first? The yeah, chicken so, or the egg? So here's, here's what I found. And this is, this is from an article or something I found. In what was part publicity stunt and part admission, they were running out of ideas. Toho, this is this is the oh Godzilla, <laughs> the Godzilla. They, they held a contest in which they asked school children to design a new character who would star in their next movie. The winning entry came from a young boy who drew a picture of the humanoid robot that would become Jet Jaguar, who bore a striking resemblance to the then popular Ultraman. A script was then produced in which this new robot would be pitted against a new monster, Megalon. A giant roach with drill bit hands. Before production got underway, though, Toho did some marketing tests and quickly realized that Jet Jaguar couldn't carry the entire picture by himself, and much more importantly, wouldn't sell enough toys afterward to make right. it worth anyone's while. And that's when they added Godzilla uh, to make to make it profitable and to sell that's more so toys. Weird, but I guess if this is your thirteenth movie, like if if Godzilla is used more as a marketing ploy at this point. Did they just throw in Godzilla for the toys? Because do they care about the Godzilla the Godzilla property? Or do they just care about making their money in their movies? I'd say it's a little bit of both. Would a Godzilla purist like this movie? It's one of the more divisive movies. You've got Godzilla okay. fanatics who love it and love the cheese, love the craziness, love how kiddish it is. Okay. And then you have others who think that it's anomaly because it's so kid-like compared to some of the other films. Hmm. Interesting. It just, it ma- it makes me wonder, like, how many other Godzilla movies were made for a quick buck or a toy? Yeah. 
But then again, I mean, I guess that's what gets your your movies funded. That's what gets your movies sold. That's what gets butts in the seats. Well, that's that was one of the big motivations of George Lucas when he made Star Wars. His his sure the his, merchandising. His dad was a toy uh, owned a toy shop, and so he knew all about rights of, of toys and that kind of right. thing. And that's one of the things that. Uh, fun fact: Did you know that George Lucas? This is tangential. I'm sorry for those of you listening, but it's a cool bit of information. Uh, when Mel Brooks did Spaceballs, he contacted George Lucas to see if they could use likenesses of Yoda and, and Chewbacca and the Millennium Falcon and everything like that. And George Lucas says, you can make your spoof movie, but you can't sell any merchandise. So in the movie Spaceballs, there's this whole bit about merchandise that's coming to you soon. I'm, I'm your friend Bobert. Get your lunchbox. Get your toys. Get your stuffed animals. And it was a bit because they knew they couldn't sell any merchandise. But there was kind right. of a, a ribbing to uh, to George Lucas, right? Which so, is smart because because then the the closest likeness to those characters would be Star Wars characters, exactly. So, so you could pretend to have your, your spaceball stuff uh, with Star Wars characters. So very clearly, like this is not just a we want to make a movie about this idea about this story. They're not obviously going for best picture, but they are going for a cultural kind of icon they're yes. going for like a well and then what's going to be pleasing to not only parents but children and also like drive markets yes and but then the other thing is normally with with a lot of godzilla movies and not all but a lot of them will have some kind of of lesson in them and really sure. the only thing that that at the very beginning the nukes they nuke and then it's kind of a, a critique of uh, you said human overreach earlier right and, but that kind of is brought Man's up, and then it, it's really not really doesn't really the thread is kind of lost as the movie goes mm -hmm. on. It's not. It's just like this side point that well, happens. Well, there's two lines. The first one in when the monster first wakes up, uh, Hiroshi says, "I think they're gonna blow us all to kingdom come." And Goro says, "Ah, you might be right. You know, they're, they're getting they're getting a little too uh, overzealous or something like that." And then at the end, when uh, Megalon goes home and Jet Jaguar shrinks back down, Goro says, I guess we're just going to have to be a bit more careful next time uh, with those nuclear tests. And that's it. Yep. <laughs> so like, like, what? A line at the beginning and a line at the end and everything else in between doesn't really serve a, a, a purpose like that. Yeah. Yeah, the dialogue, which anytime it's a movie's been dubbed over, I mean, it's always right. rougher. But the dialogue was certainly subpar. Yeah. Uh, so a few things that, that I, I noticed. Um, at one point, uh, Hiroshi and then uh, the child have been kidnapped by some of the Sutopians. Mm -hmm. And they wake up and uh, Hiroshi says, it looks like we're in a metal box. And that's all he says. Yeah. Just... Pretty obvious. I mean, uh, in a metal box. I had I had some lines from Kuro. This is the who, kid. The kid. He, in I, response to that quote, it was, "I reckon they mean to kill us." Yes, I reckon. I they reckon mean to kill us. They mean to kill us. So I wrote down this note and I asked this question. This is a small child. Why did they give this kid a weird accent and a strange vocabulary? Because at one time he goes, "I reckon they mean to kill us," and at another time he goes, "You don't say." Now. I've never heard a five-year-old use the phrase, you don't say. He might be a little older than five. Okay, a seven-year-old. Eight, ten, eight. Yeah, I don't know. I've not heard a child under 12 use the phrase, you don't say. I mean, it, guys and gals, if you are a parent listening to this podcast and you've got a child that actively and correctly uses the phrase, you don't say, 
please write into the B-Movie podcast. I would love to hear this story. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, his voice was weird. It was clearly an adult woman trying to do a little kid voice. I don't know. And he just had such such weird... It's It just sounded bad. And, of course, that was the dub. Yeah. You know, but it was either that or subtitles, which I had a subtitled version first, but then we found an English version that I guess was dubbed over the Japanese version. Mm -hmm. And you figured that out because why? Because there was some scenes in there that had some blood in there, okay. and then there was a little bit more cussing than probably in a, yes. a normal PG-rated movie than the American version. Well, this was rated G, wasn't it? I think it's rated PG. I oh, think PG. I misspoke okay. earlier. Yeah. Guidance. Gotcha. Yeah, so rated PG, and then... Uh, there was a scene the where... Being thrown out of... Yep. The guy being thrown out of the the um, vehicle down mm -hmm. the cliff. Uh, and then the, the the they actually showed this young kid getting kidnapped. Yes. And those were not those are not present in the American. Right. Version. And I even wrote this down that that kid did not fight at all when getting kidnapped. That, yes. He really went easily. Uh, yes. He was like, oh, I guess I'm getting in the car now. So um, if you have kids and you want to watch this, yes, definitely find the American version. And and which talk is to them still about hard. Stranger Danger, folks. Yes. Because uh, this is a great opportunity to say, hey, if any strangers ever approach you, you don't just get in their car and like go quietly like you kick up a fuss you do what you got to do yeah so, uh, so yeah. i think going back to your your question about like what how did it hit me i think yeah it, the whole movie just lacked significant motive like the motivation of all the characters mm -hmm. was just very very weak which i mean you don't necessarily watch a godzilla movie for strong motivations but there's no there's definitely there could have been more there i think that the Cetopians, we could probably talk about them for a little bit right absolutely bonkers yes the first time they cut to this the cetopians right um it's this this white guy he's got this little like toga thing on yes lots of chest hair popping out and like, what is up with that is in some kind of rainbow control room a rainbow yes because rainbow. it was very colorful very colorful and then it was also overlooking cetopia yes which also blended into their artificial sun yep the sun they created. The sun they created. They created but it was all like a drawing, like it wasn't like a picture. It was like very clearly an like a, a like a background drawing. Yeah. And so I budget I was, issues. Yeah, I was very I confused as to what this was. Which side note, this was shot and and completed in three weeks. Okay, so you brought this up earlier. We also have another movie that we know of that was done very quickly, uh, that also had to deal with like space. And aliens yes. and creatures. Which is my favorite episode. Which happens to be uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians from 1964. It was shot in two, two weeks in yeah, an airplane hangar in New Jersey or, or uh, downstate New York. And then you said this one was shot in three weeks. Three weeks. Now, was it all in one location or did they go around somewhere? I don't know okay. that. I couldn't find an answer to that. Right. At the very least, like it's not... I think you're right. It doesn't have that overarching drive, that story. It was more like a Mad Lib where it was like, okay, they woke up Godzilla. How? With a nuke. Okay, uh, he's awake. But the nuke also woke up another monster. Okay. But then a fourth monster, or a third monster comes, and Godzilla needs backup. Uh, uh, a robot that <laughs> yes. can double and triple. No, go. 20 times his size. So, like, I, I don't know. It just felt like you could just swap in a lot of different plots here mm -hmm. and get... Other Godzilla movies. Well, when you mentioned the waking up, how did they wake up Megalon? 
the, the Zetopians. Uh, they basically asked him. They asked him, and then there was this dancing scene. Yes. With a bunch of women. What was that? In what could be described as clear rain jackets. Okay. Or I'm gonna go one further. It was reminiscent of a sheer. If the if the KKK yes had sheer I was outfits, you were say. no, because that's exactly it was. what it was. I, it's very questionable. And they were in like swimsuits, and they were in sheer KKK robes, and I was like, "What?" And they're doing this dance while this guy is chanting or praying or something. Yeah, I don't know. And then, but they just address Megalon at that point, and then the the light turns from one color to another color, and then Megalon, I guess, shakes himself awake. Explosions and yeah, tons of explosions for no reasons. Sparks Where are the sparks flying. coming from? The rubble should just move. It shouldn't be sparks of any sort. But then he flies to the surface because mm. he's a giant cockroach. Yes. So I don't. I don't know. I mean, can cockroaches fly? They can. There they are can. some. Okay. Well, there are some that can, and I think some that can't. I'm gonna say. Uh, but no, like everyone, everyone's hard until the cockroach starts flying. Like, you know, you see a spider or something. Or you see like a cockroach and you're like, oh, I'll kill it. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. But when it jumps at you and starts flying, like, I don't know anyone that's got the courage for that. So, I mean, Megalon's terrifying kind of in that way. Well, yes. And then on the topic of, of Megalon, he's he's this, we mentioned a stag, he's a stag-like beetle, right. cockroach kind of thing. He's got mm-hmm. this this antenna thing right. that, that can shoot lightning. He's got two arms that when put together they become a drill, a drill and he can like dig. Which is crazy. Yeah. But it's and it's just you can very clearly tell it's just a man in a costume. Oh yeah. Well it's all just men in costumes. Yes. Like clearly, um Jet Jaguar is just a guy in a robot costume. Very clearly this chicken what is it, uh Geigen? Geigen. This chicken lizard thing, you know, it's just in a costume. Godzilla. You can really tell when Godzilla does the um the drop kick. Yeah. Just how much fun costumey <laughs> weird production it is but it's also you know going back to the kaiju genre if you grew up watching power rangers yes you are well aware of yeah. this genre of film and entertainment it's interesting to say the least it's lacking in in a lot of areas it's one of those benchmarks of past films that it's very clear what the motivations were and i think the motivations were money and we're going to see that a little later because uh, you're going to be surprised as to what this did in the box office. Mm-hmm. But what are some other... Do you have other lines, thoughts, scenes you wanted to point out? Some other absurd things. So I know what, we could talk for forever, we but could, like, what's we could. some other stuff? So one of the opening scenes, Roxo is on a lake on this... Oh, gosh. <laughs> I crazy... Forgot, I, I'd forgotten about this. Crazy dolphin right. thing... He's pe- it's like a dolphin bike yes. on a lake. Now, Absolutely absurd, bonkers right. looking. So th- I figured out what it was. If they took Yoshi from Mario and reimagined him as a dolphin, that's what it would be. Yeah, yeah. And it's there's a big dolphin he's sitting on, and the two pedals that move through the water are little dolphins. Yep. So it looks like the dolphins are jumping mm-hmm. in and out of the water. Yep. But it goes nowhere. Yeah. Well, and then and then the the earthquake from the the nuclear explosion happens, and then there's yeah. a whirlpool that opens up in the right. middle of the lake. And he's being sucked in. Uh-huh. And the next crazy thing that happens is um, they grabbed Hiroshi and Goro just happen to have some kind of harpoon thing sitting at, it, they for their said, picnic. They said on the, the beach. 
Grab the rocket. Grab the rocket. And then they shoot it out to him. And he catches he it. catches it perfectly. perfectly. And they pull him back in. I with don't know, it. man. Absolutely insane. Another, another thing, we both were just going jaws on the floor of how right. ridiculous it was. At one point, the, the two, the young kid and then Hiroshi were, were kidnapped and they were in that metal box we talked mm-hmm. about. And oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Megalon. They're being, they're being dangled over a dam. Yes. They're going to drown. Yes. Until. Until Megalon chucks them. In the in the metal box, like slaps them, slaps them over the hill, over a, a, a large hill, a Very mountain, large. flying through the probably a kilometer mm. or a mile or two, and they land. They land, and the box pops open, and they roll out unharmed. Yes, now most unrealistic. Scene, are you familiar? Maybe in the whole thing, right? Are you including f- the fact that there are monsters that are real? Exactly. Sure. Yes, I, I would agree. <laughs> you know, I would agree. And Jet Jaguar reprogramming himself to somehow yes. uh, become, become Ant Man, large or giant right? man. I don't know. Um, but have you seen? There's a show. I forget. I forget when it was on, or even what channel it was on. But it was like a thousand ways to die. Like, yeah, I do remember this? that show. Yes, and a thousand ways to die. Like I remember very vividly that if you're being thrown around in a vehicle of some sort and you're by yourself free of debris you will likely survive however if you are thrown in with another human being the way that you're being thrown about like think of think of a two clothes in the dryer or if you put two shoes in the dryer how they kind of tumble and then they tumble and smack into each other well for shoes it doesn't really matter but with humans who have breakable bones and pierceable internal organs it would kill you. And if that didn't kill them, the sudden stop on the ground with no ability to brace for impact definitely would. Mm. So that was so weird. Like, that was the most unbelievable thing, mm-hmm. counting even the giant monsters. So let's talk about the giant monster fights okay. a little bit more. I had some other moments that I right? I, I loved and hated simultaneously. Okay. Uh, one of them, Megalon is fighting Jet Jaguar and he decides to fly, or it decides to fly around Jet Jaguar just oh, in a circle gosh. repeatedly. And we, we sit there for about, you know, 20, 30 seconds, just repeatedly. And I, apparently, I said the words, I said, <laughs> you're trying to make him dizzy. He's a robot. Yes. And then what happened? Jeremiah did say that. He, he fell over dizzy. Fell over dizzy. Fell over dizzy. Why? <laughs> Why? And and Megalon, hit him. Give him the clothesline. Yep. Use a chair. Yeah. Why would you... I'm going to run around you till you're seeing circles. Yep. What? No. Shortly after that, this is once, once uh, Gigan has showed up. Mm-hmm. And so it's Gigan and Megalon versus Jet Jaguar. And they start, like, punting... Jet Jaguar to each other right. and playing volleyball with him. Almost. Yeah, for and that's that scene goes on for about a he minute. He really got beaten up. Just there. but like literally like like a volleyball match. Just like oh, you know, yeah. pass him to you and with Jet Jaguar being the ball. Correct. Another one of my favorite moments. And this was just awesome. Godzilla rips a tree out of the ground and beats up. Oh, so this yes. is after he arrives. He rips a tree out of the ground and beats up both Gigan. And Megalon. This is when Jet Jaguar yep. is still kind of right. dazed. So he's like beating up them both with a tree, and they're like they they lay down. They're they're down for the count, and he just chucks the tree. And yes. He's like, yeah. It was really great. Like it was pretty. You awesome. get you get why Godzilla is you know the 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 monster he is because obviously he means business. But I want to talk about these monsters real quick. So I'm not sure where everyone comes from, but from what I understand, Godzilla is 
on Monster Island. Yes. And but Gigan is not. Uh, no, correct. Okay, and Megalon is in the Earth with correct. the Cetopians. Mm-hmm. Jet Jaguar is a robot invented by Goro. Mm-hmm. But Gigan comes from. This is what I didn't understand. The Cetopians learn that Jet Jaguar has turned back to good because they were controlling him, but they learn that he has programmed himself sentience, I guess, and is now fighting them. So they send out a distress call to their allies. To their allies. The Space Hunter Nebula M aliens. Correct. Now, my notes here say that this is from the previous film Mm -hmm. and that Gigan is their monster? Correct. Is Gigan like their deity god, like Megalon is to the Cetopians? Yes. And okay. I believe, so depending on the Godzilla monsters, some of them are from space. Oh. In fact, there's a movie, actually one of, one of my other favorites. Godzilla in space? Uh, it's Godzilla versus space Godzilla. Very creative. Gosh. Um, no. but, but really awesome. No. Oh, oh, yes. Oh. He's got these gigantic like space crystals coming out of his back. Oh, gosh. And, Super BA. Well, that's when people are sitting in a studio going, who else could Godzilla fight? Right. And you're like, oh, what if he fought himself? No, no. What if he fought his space self? Well, that's the same thing. Godzilla versus <laughs> Mecha Godzilla. It's just... Just a robot Godzilla yeah, the, versus OG Godzilla. A bunch Godzilla. of scientists, and they're like, oh, let's just build a, so a Godzilla crazy. made out of metal. But I always thought, I guess Monster Island, he's got to live somewhere, but I always thought he was inside the Earth. Well, it like, depends. And they and they so, woke him up. The original Godzilla in '54. Okay. He comes out of the ocean. He he lives like deep in the core. All right. Um, and so his 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 and what main woke him home, up the first time? Same thing. Atomic testing. Atomic testing. Yep. Okay. Uh, there's all there's this theme you of atomic think testing. The, yeah. the world would learn. Yeah. And then in the new the new movies, which I highly recommend seeing them, are definitely well, now, a, what are a plus. Movie. What are the Godzilla? Titles? I think 2014, and then Godzilla: King of Monsters, which was. 2018, 2019, okay. and recently, both are amazing, uh, but I, I'm biased because I love all, all the monsters, and I right. grew up with them, so it was very nostalgic to see it with modern CGI yeah. and everything, but in that, in those movies, Godzilla also makes his home in the core of the Earth. They have this thing called Hollow Earth Theory, where the Earth is actually hollow, which obviously is a bunch of <laughs> a load of <laughs> A load hooey. of hooey. But, but that's that's where Godzilla lives, he nears, and he gets... Uh, gets radiation from the planet's core and that's what powers him and his atomic breath which we haven't talked about but he shoots atomic breath out of his mouth but yeah so that is they 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 originate from the core some originate from space some originate from different islands it just kind of depends and in each movie it's it's different they try and get and who are you gonna call when space monsters and sea monsters and other monsters come knocking at your door you're gonna call godzilla godzilla so you said he's mostly the good guy. Mostly. I'd say the majority of the movies he's the good guy. But there are several movies where Godzilla's the bad guy. Correct. The, the original Godzilla movie. Yeah. And this is why I got confused. Because you said Godzilla defends Earth from the Cetopian's deity monster Megalon. And I thought Godzilla destroyed Tokyo, not defended Tokyo. Because when you think of Godzilla, you think him destroying cities, destroying buildings. But... This time he's defending Earth. So, like, how often does that happen? Because has has he destroyed it multiple times? Has he, you know, yes. destroyed it as much as he's defended it? Yes, or? he he frequently destroys Tokyo when he's in his 
when he's a bad guy. Okay. And usually it's repercussion. Like the original Godzilla, they were nuclear testing. They were right. going beyond human limits, that kind of thing. And so that's why he, he comes in and attacks. And okay. it's just humans versus Godzilla. Like it's, that's all that happens. He completely destroys most of Tokyo, then retreats back into the ocean. And that's where they go and, and find him and kill him with the oxygen So then bomb. who does he fight against that he's defending Earth? Well, like Space Godzilla comes from space. Okay. Like I said, very creative. And then he fights, fights him off. Um, Obviously, other fights Megalon. Destroya. Gigan. G- Gigan. Uh, Mecha Godzilla. Uh, there's a, a bunch more that I'm blanking on. And so, but then you said Mothra. Mothra is, 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 is almost good, always good. The yeah. good one. So when, when Godzilla fights Mothra, he's, he's the bad guy, but sometimes he teams up with Mothra. Uh, Ghidra, uh, or Ghidorah, that he's in the new King, uh, King of the Monsters movie. It's a three-headed dragon that shoots what? lightning. It's a gold, golden dragon. Then there's Mecha Ghidorah, which is basically Mecha Godzilla welded to Ghidorah. So it's a five, I think, five-headed, five heads. No. This crazy. Uh, no. Yes. Yeah. You and you got someone... Ro- Rodan, who's also tends to be pretty good. Uh, teams up with Godzilla a lot. He's like, they're like buddies. And there's there's a movie called The Son of Godzilla. That was another one that I thought no we way. could maybe watch. It's basically pretty much what it sounds like. There's a son of Godzilla. But then in the new the two newest movies, they it's Godzilla is almost an embodiment of nature. So he's meant okay. to bring balance. So he's not really for or against humanity. He's for the balance of nature. Yeah, so so if balance gets interrupted, it's like humans are ants. He's not there to destroy them. He's but if they get in his way, it's right. You know. It's time to break out the. Uh... You know, the spray. That's right. The roundup. Yeah. What do you use? Ant raid? Raid. The raid. You get the raid out. Yeah, so very interesting stuff. I, I didn't I'm personally fascinated. One of the things I wrote that it's a pro for this movie is the cinematography, because the cinematography is it's honestly beautiful in its own way. When you realize that all of the stuff that they're doing when they're when they're showing tanks and vehicles and helicopters and and boats and whatever they're doing it with miniature scenes. So like they're building these things by hand. They're moving these things by hand. And if you squint, you know, and kind of watch it in the dark, it looks real. Like it looks real. And there are some backgrounds, you know, when, when they're fighting, obviously you can tell they're standing in front of a background with a sparse amount of like dirt and bushes and stuff like that. So it's really well done for what it is and i think what it is is if we made movies with toys like there are obviously very talented set designers and miniature sculptors that did this movie that put all this together and like they should be commended for that because obviously in three weeks in three weeks well it was shot three weeks so maybe they took a little bit longer i know i did read that the the godzilla suit took a week to make wow only a week to make it took a week to make. It was the, the shortest. Entire week that it's they a, it's the it suit free. that was made in the quickest time. At least that's what I read. Huh. So all the other suits and all the, uh, the thirty-five movies and minus the CGI, huh. uh, longer than a week. Now, see, some people said that uh, they didn't like this Godzilla because he looked too much like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, I read that online that he looked too toyish. Yeah, you know, he def- he definitely looks almost too human, too toyish, too. Yeah. Some Too right. sentient. Not, not enough creature. Though. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't know how he, Jet Jaguar communicates with him through sign language. Yeah, that was another thing. When, whenever Jet Jaguar went to, to, no to, to get Godzilla's help, right. he used sign language and Godzilla's like, I'll yeah, be there. Yeah, man, I'll come. And it was just like this quick scene. Right. And then at the end, they shake hands. Yeah, I don't get that. I, that I, I was not. That was just weird. Yeah. But long story short, like I think that these are 
these are good movies in their own ways. Like if you, if you are a student of miniature design, like watching these could obviously give you some some direction or some kind of ideas uh, about how how it is done. And so like good good on you for that. Good on Pyrotechnics for the way that they did everything too. Like I I, I respect that kind of thing. I don't really respect the story. I yeah. don't know that I like the idea of how it came about <clears throat> just to sell merchandise and toys. Yeah. I, you know, I respect the amount of work that it went in to do all those fight scenes. Like, that was cool. You know, I, obviously it's really bad fighting, but it's entertaining. Like, you don't watch WWE yeah. because you think it's good fighting. Like, you watch it because it's entertaining. Like, a couple other things. No women in this movie at all. Right. Not in a major role, but not... I don't even think in a minor role. I don't think there's any women. Well, there was some women taped you, up right, in Oh, the you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay. No, no, not... It was uh, the, the dancers in C- Oh, C-topia. yeah, the dancers, yeah, in Seatopia. Yeah. So, okay, I forgot. But other than that, there was no women with any lines <laughs> right. that I remember. And no. none in any, any re- supporting role, main role, nope. none at all. Not at all. And um, I believe it's... I think I read that it's the only Godzilla movie that doesn't have a woman in the main role. Really? Yeah. So pretty crazy, and then and then off to you, if you look at the 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 main actors, supporting actors, I think there's only there's like five, the, five, yeah, something like that, five or six. There's the two, plus the dancers in Cytopia. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the, this the, was done the, with the under cast twenty was, actors. Yes, yeah, um, and I think coming back, I think my my this will be maybe one of the last things I say, but the the my biggest critique comes back to like I said, motivation, mm-hmm. the humans. Nuke, the Cetopians, rightfully so, are upset. A third of their people have been wiped out. Right. They they want revenge. I'm uh, not that I'm advocating revenge, but I understand their motivation. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of it's fair that they want sure. to f- at least figure out how to stop the the future nuclear testing. Right. So they send a monster, which is an over probably you know a little bit yeah. overkill. They could have sent a but um, them. Uh, an ambassador. But then Jet Jaguar and Godzilla are painted as the good guys, mm-hmm. almost in a way of defending the humans right. for their nuclear testing, even though the, the moral of the story is don't nuclear test, mm-hmm. uh, at least in an unsafe way. So it's right. just all the motivations are, are convoluted. And then yeah. Godzilla, and, and it's hard to, it was hard for me to root for them because it felt like they were defending humanity and they just nuked. So I, I don't know. It just felt weird to me. No. Well, what I don't get... I don't. I really don't get this Cetopian um, alliance with the Space Hunter Nebula M aliens. <laughs> I don't get that. Like, if you're okay, Cetopia is supposed to be a section of Earth that was flooded by water uh, millions of years ago, right? It was sent underground millions of years ago. So, how the heck are they allies? With Space Nebula M aliens, well, Space Hunter. They're and highly Nebula advanced. M. They created their own sun. Okay, but so. but but they couldn't create their own guide from Megalon to get to Tokyo. They had to steal a robot from the inventor Goro. There was a line of dialogue that says we could have done it, but we didn't have the time. After like we didn't have enough time to do it after the the nuclear uh, attack. I guess they did throw it in there, so it's like a, a little bit of That's an explanation. Super lazy. I mean, I I, I don't. You created your own sun and oxygen, but you, you don't have a couple of robots uh, in reserve, you know, defenses to turn on should someone try to invade you. I, I'm just, I'm spitballing here. I'm spitballing. Yeah. yeah. 
So that was interesting. Any any other last thoughts? Any any kind? Of, I absolutely agree with you on the uh, the motivation for everything. I agree with you on the costuming and the filming, and kind of where it falls within the lore. I I really don't think Godzilla purists would love this near as much, but it does have a kiddish charm to it, and I'm glad I've seen it once. I don't think I'd watch it again, and that's kind of spoiling a little bit about grading here in a Mm -hmm. minute, but overall, it wasn't terrible, and it's an interesting kind of genre of film that I was unaware of, so thanks for introducing it to me, but do you have any other thoughts about it before we move into the grading? Uh, No, I don't think so. Yeah? Okay. Well, so here at the B-Movie Podcast, we grade with three letters, uh, all Bs. So a B-plus is this movie was so awkward and bad that it was actually really good that it somehow comes together in the end and is an enjoyable movie that you will watch again and again a b which is nah, i've seen it i don't necessarily think i would recommend it to people but i have watched it and a b minus or a bm is this movie is so bad i had to stop myself from gouging my eyes out with a dull spoon it is a big stinky pile of poop so on a B plus B or B minus scale, where would you put Godzilla versus Megalon? Oh man, I went into this hoping that it was going to be a B plus, uh-huh. and I was going to relive my childhood and be like, right. "Yeah, I want to watch this again with my wife." And, Nostalgia. Yeah, and um, honestly, I think at the at the most it's a B, and, right. and it would probably maybe be in the BM category for yeah. me. I think that's where it would land. I I just which was hard for me. I feel like I'm like, <laughs> you know. My childhood, right? But compared to some of the other movies that I remember, Godzilla, Godzilla versus Mothra, and then the more recent Godzilla movies, which mm-hmm. are amazing, I think my standards just have have gone up, and I or I'm misremembering. No, but let's be <laughs> honest. If there's 35 Godzilla movies in existence, some of them have to be meh. Yeah. Right. Some of them got to be BMs. They can't all be all be. Well, and I know, will say I'm, I'm I'm a Godzilla fan, but I wouldn't say I'm a fanatic. Right. Okay. So uh, the fanatics may love it or may go. Who knows? But for me, as just a fan, yeah, I, th- I think I'd have yeah. to call it a BM. I would ag- I, I would agree to the point that I think it is right. Like I th- I'm going to give it a B because I've watched some other movies. Like I'd rather watch this than New Year's Eve again. Which I have not seen that. Yeah. Although but, I listened to that. New Year's Eve got a, a B minus, if I'm correct. Yeah. I, yes. like, but I, I wouldn't watch it again. So I'm I'm going to give this a B. The, there, so the, it's hard for me. Like, the movie as a whole, I don't want to see again. I, right. I wouldn't recommend someone to watch. But like clips of it, like find, sure. find a GIF or GIF, however you say those, uh, of the, the drop kick. The never know. Yeah. Yes, of the, the drop, drop kick kicks. scene. Yep. Or, or like some of, the, some of those crazy moments. Some of the moments. surprised Godzilla faces. It was, just, it was a long 81 minutes for, for, for us to watch the whole thing. For right. just a, like, tw- about, if you cut it down like 20 minutes just to highlights, right. that's worth seeing, and, you know. Yeah, yeah I'm going to give it like just a hair north of a B-. minus. So like it's a B, but a stiff exhale could make it a B- minus in my eyes. Yeah. I could I could go B or B minus. Yeah. I so think it's, I said B minus, but I, very clearly it's, it's not on going that to edge. be a B plus for us. However, we have to answer the absolutely needless question that nobody asked: Is this better or worse than the B movie? So before we just give an answer, I want to go over some data. Those of you who are listening, you probably know some of these statistics pretty well by now. But the B movie, which came out I believe in about two thousand eight, had a budget of one hundred and fifty million dollars. It was fully animated. And it had a lot of big-name voice actors, including Renee Zellweger and Jerry Seinfeld. Anyways, so it had a budget of $150 million, And it had a box office revenue of $287.6 million. 
All right, so I did the math, and that is a 91.7% increase. So they've made their money back and then some, but they haven't made it end over end. Now, for Godzilla versus Megalon, this was interesting. This was hard to figure out. But in 1970s, the estimated budget that I can find was $760,000. Now, that's USD. Mm -hmm. That's what I also found. So $760,000, not million. 760,000. We're not even breaking a million here. This is back in the 70s. But the box office, it raked in 220 million Japanese yen. Which, uh, Samuel, do you have any idea about what it would be in US dollars of 22, uh, 220 million yen to US dollars? Almost $2 million. Almost $2 million. So about what? A million nine hundred seventy-six thousand. Okay, so 1.9 million. Yeah. Right? If we round it up, we could easily make it $2 million. Yeah. Well, I'd be interested. Do you know if this takes into account the re-release to English in 76? I have no idea. See, it was hard to it, find because I actually looked this up. It released state to state on different schedules hmm. because it released in like Louisiana and Texas first and then other states released it. But I don't know that it had an actual widespread U.S. release like other movies do. So it was hard to find information on this, but if we take those numbers into account, this is a hundred and sixty percent increase at least. And then if, if we just some numbers, for the movie, yeah. so clearly it resounded with some kids. Obviously, parents took their kids to see it. However, we can't just judge it by box office numbers alone. Right. Okay. So if we look at our our grading, we see that Godzilla versus Megalon is obviously lower than the B movie, but we can't be the only ones to have an opinion. So right. we, we have to look at Rotten Tomatoes. So do you know what the Rotten Tomatoes score is for the B movie, Samuel? Perfect 50%. Okay, so half the people liked it, half the people didn't. And it's got an audience score of 53%. So these are on, on the tomato meter and the audience score. Uh, for Godzilla vs. Megalon, what did you find? 38% critics. For 38% critics rating. Now, we can't always take into account what critics like because there's some movies that critics hate that audiences just love. So what was the audience score? 34%. 34%. So this is interesting to me because we have movies like Kung Pao. Kung Pao has got an abysmal tomato meter score, but a higher audience score. It's one of the few movies that we've done mm -hmm. that have that. Yeah. However, Godzilla vs. Megalon does not have that same kind of deficit. Yeah, 4% so, lower than the critics. Right. Very now, it was interesting. I did find on, I don't know how they rate this, but on Google, the, the Google percentage, 90% of people liked it. Yes. Which, I saw that too. I don't know how they calculate that. I don't know That's either. really weird because it's I don't think a lot it's different. From, now, I also was reading an article about Sonic the Hedgehog. Did you know this? That Comcast owns NBC, who owns Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. But Sounds that was disclosure at the bottom of the thing. Well, that doesn't mean anything for Godzilla vs. Megalon. Right. But yeah. in the future, if if an NBC or Comcast film does well, uh, you should probably be suspicious of that. So overall, is this better or worse than the B-movie? And I, I have kind of a statement that I think will put it all together. Unless you're a huge fan of kaiju movies, I don't think it's better. Now, if you, are, if you are a giant fan of, like, Power Rangers, if you're a giant fan of King Kong, if you're a giant fan of Godzilla, if you're a fanatic, yeah, you're probably going to choose this over the B-movie every time. Yeah. 
But your average listener, your average moviegoer, I don't think is going to choose this over the B movie. Oh, not not even so, close. Not even close. Not even close. So, uh, that's what I have to say about it. So, Samuel, thank you so much. Do you have any other thoughts, last parting wishes, uh, something you want to plug, anything to say? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I'm allowed to say this, I would recommend maybe watching the original Godzilla movie. I know okay. technically it's probably still considered a B-movie budget-wise or right. otherwise, but it's actually a classic and it's rated well. Obviously set off an yeah. entire genre of film. Mm-hmm. And then also the, the Godzilla versus Mothra, a few of those. Um, basically, I would say maybe don't start with this if you want to like Godzilla. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I am I, I probably am going to rent or find Godzilla King of Monsters. Yes, and then if, you need, yeah, if you need a soft introduction, right. go with the new movies. They're, they're incredible. They're very well yeah. done. I, I really enjoyed them. They got good ratings, uh, so I would start there even. Yeah, and you go for the big explosions. You go for the CGI. You go for the... The swelling um, uh, sound score behind you. So yeah, I, I highly recommend that. Uh, anything else you want to say? No, I just say thanks for letting me come on, Jeremiah. You're so welcome. It's been awesome. So love, glad love to listening have listening and such a unique podcast. Yeah. And, well, the one yeah. thing I love, and I will honestly say this, I love that this podcast uh, allows me to watch movies with my friends. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I like the most about it because all my co-hosts have been good friends of mine. Some friends that I haven't seen so much, some friends that I haven't been in contact with as much, um, some friends that you only really see at weddings, you know, yeah. sometimes, uh, and so that's good. Speaking of weddings, uh, I love it. Uh, I got to give a shout out. So, B Movie Podcast listeners, this is kind of a little uh, little tidbit that you might not know. So, me, Jeremiah, I'm a man of many talents. I'm a substitute teacher. I was a college recruiter at one point in time. I've been a public speaker, but I'm also uh, a wedding DJ on the side. And I started being a wedding DJ because this guy right here and his wife, uh, they had everything planned out for the wedding and they wanted an MC. And so they said, oh, let's ask Jeremiah. So his wife corners me on the way to class one day and says, oh, did Samuel talk to you about DJing our wedding? And I was like, you've got some, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> I, I don't do that. I don't have equipment. I don't have music. I don't do anything. And she said, no, 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 no. We've got all that. We've got a schedule. We, you know, we'll keep it going. You just announced the things. We got get the playlist. Yeah, we had everything. We got everything. So I was like, ah, uh, sure, and I loved it. Turns out, I'm kind of a, a narcissistic person in the fact that I love being the life of the party, and, and he no is. one is a better life of the party is than the a good DJ. Yes. So uh, Samuel, thank you for launching yeah. my DJ career. Uh, well, and then he and then Jeremiah did not tell me to say this, but yeah, if you're looking for a DJ, uh, I recommend Jeremiah. Well, thank you. I don't know if you've landed on a name yet. For you sure. You know, I haven't. I've been thinking about this. Uh, DJ Rat. Yeah. Uh, DJ J Rat. Uh, I don't know something to do with like a last name entertainment services yeah. something DJ MC reception wedding. I don't know. I, well, if I'm any of you listeners out there have an idea for him, yeah, if you've got you a know? good DJ name, I'm gonna I'm looking to start a page. Uh, so I can get some gigs to cover my income for the summer. So uh, B-Movie Podcast listeners, if you need a DJ in the local Midwest area, uh, please give me a a shout-out. Shameless plug here. But Samuel, I'm so glad I could have you on. I want to have you back for another movie. We'll find something. Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla sounds pretty good to me. It's Uh, it's a fun one. It does seem... It's also more recent, so everything's done a little bit better. Had a little bit bigger budget. Yeah, so perhaps we could could review uh, one of those, or we could finally get that Power Rangers episode uh, under our belt, because it's it's really terrible. Well, and and, and if anyone... Well, this would be crazy. If if there's any Japanese viewers, or or anyone who's just a kaiju or Godzilla fanatic, maybe not... 
fan, maybe even a fanatic. Uh, and what your fan. opinion? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, sure, we'd love to hear that. Please write into the show if you are. I mean, if you've got Godzilla posters and Godzilla toys, and if you've got a Godzilla tattoo, I will personally <laughs> uh, let you record a sound bite and send it into the show, and I will plug it in uh, to our show. But you got to prove to me it's your Godzilla tattoo. We'll work on some verification there, but yeah. Let me know your thoughts on Godzilla vs. Megalon, because I would love to hear them. Anyways, Samuel, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, listeners, join us next time for when we review a very well-kept secret, unheard-of movie, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brothers, with none other than Gene Wilder. I look forward to seeing you online. I look forward to hearing from you soon, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye.